Let's imagine that an anonymous donor who loves you very much has deposited 86,400 pennies into your savings account. That's $864 a day, seven days a week, 52 weeks a year. It's almost $315,000 a year. He's given you only one stipulation. You must spend all the money the same day. No balance will be carried over to the next day. Each evening, the bank must cancel whatever sum you fail to use. Use it or lose it. Let's change it up to reality. Every morning, someone who loves you very much deposits into your bank of time 86,400 seconds of time. It's represent 24 hours every day. And that same stipulation applies because God gives you this amount of time for you to carefully use each day. Nothing is carried over to the next day. These are precious moments which you must use them or lose them. So we must learn to wisely manage this fleeting resource of time before it is too late. Our time must be used wisely. And in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, the the wise Solomon declared, there's a time for everything. There's a, a purpose for every activity under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to search and a time to give up. A time to keep and a time to throw away. That's the biblical verse that sanctions having a yard sale. There's a time to to throw away. There's a time to tear and a time to mend. There's a time to be silent and a time to speak. A time for love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. The Sharper Image Catalog advertised the personal life clock. This marble obelisk with digital numbers that flash the hours and seconds remaining in one's statistical lifetime. The catalog glibly noted, all lives are finite. In fact, the average life lasts only 683,280 hours or 2.4 billion seconds. It goes on and says, by displaying the most profound clock, you will see the the personal clock reminds you to live your life each day to the best. So kind of like a a shot clock declining in time, it's backing out of an average lifespan based on a 78-year-old life expectancy. So what happens when it's time to die and you don't get 78 years? Many don't. We all know of someone who left us too soon. There's a time to be born and a time to die. Well, I want us to... Consider the limits of time first here. And time limit A is that our, our time is limited. It's a, a, a limited commodity. Now, there are some people who have more talent than others, or have more wealth than others, or have more intelligence than others. But all of us have the same amount of time in a day. We all have 60 minutes in an hour, 24 hours in a day, 168 hours in a week, Time is the human common denominator. And lost time is irretrievable. It 
it becomes imperative that we utilize this precious commodity as wisely as possible. You may not realize it, but Moses was a songwriter. We we think of King David as one who wrote the Psalms or the, the songs, but did you know that Moses wrote Psalm 90? This was his opening lyric. Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the whole world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn people back to dust, saying, return to dust, you mortals. And a thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by, or, or like a watch in the night, you know, that three-hour period. Three o'clock and all is well, you know, the, 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 up on the, the wall of the city. He's saying it's just that brief, that fleeting. And our perception of, of time here on earth is finite, it's limited. But, but God isn't bound by the same dimensions. His eternal perspective of time is, is expanded from our own. We all would, would like to have a little more time. And if we don't seem to have time to get things done, that probably means we've taken on more things than God intended for us to accomplish. I, I do embrace the conviction that we each have a purpose in life that is to be accomplished while we are here. In response to that conviction, we can live or die with with purpose. There was a humorous sign on a a cluttered desk that read, I'm so far behind, I will never die. And maybe that's how you feel, just a little bit overwhelmed by all you have to get done. You'll never be caught up or never accomplish that purpose. Many live by the motto, bite off more than you can chew, then chew it, take on more than you can do, then do it. And we find that we must be multitasking, not to get ahead, but just to try to to keep up. In the history of the world, there has never been a more productive individual than Jesus Christ. But interestingly, as we read through his biography in the Gospels, we never see Jesus in a hurry. Never. Not once does it ever mention or depict him as being in a hurry. And he certainly accomplished his purpose under heaven. And maybe our problem is that we have placed more items on our scheduling plates which do not advance our purpose, which impede the productivity of accomplishing our purpose. God does not demand more than we are able to deliver. It's it's not God's fault, but our fault sometimes for piling up inordinate pressing commitments. Often we heap stress on ourselves because we make unrealistic expectations of ourselves. We, we overschedule, we fail to provide leisure time and enforce expectations on ourselves that, that God never intended. And, and some personality types especially fall prey to overcommitment due to an inability or an unwillingness to say no. Dr. Garland Bear, medical missionary, wisely observed, if Satan can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. Every night a father would come home with a briefcase full of work and his daughter asked her mother, why does daddy bring that briefcase home each night? Her mother explained, well, daddy has so much work to to do, he can't get it all done at work. And the daughter innocently suggested, why don't they just put him in a slower group? Well, Army General and 
U.S. President Dwight Eisenhower observed, the urgent is seldom important and the important is seldom urgent. I think sometimes we can confuse the two. Psalm 118 verse 24 reminds us, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And it's tough to find joy in life if you're consistently overextending yourself. The the past is over, the future is coming. So right now we have the present and it is a gift, a present. We've been provided with 24 hours a day, 168 hours a week to accomplish the purpose that God has for each of us. Time limit B is that God's time is different. God being an eternal being has a different perspective on time than than we have here on earth. He is a spirit not confined by time and space. In 2 Peter 3.8, it sounds very similar to the song that, that Moses wrote earlier. The apostle Peter said, do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years are like a day. Maybe you've heard the joke about the new resident in heaven who was receiving an introductory tour from St. Peter. And the man asked, I've heard that a penny up here is like a million dollars to us on earth. Tell me, is that right? That's true, Peter said. And in a minute is like a thousand years. Mustering up his courage, the newcomer boldly asked, in that case, Peter, would you give me a penny? Peter smiled, sure, in a minute. (laughs) God's timing is different than ours. There's another time limit that we see, and that's that life is fragile. James, the half-brother of Jesus, wrote about this transient, fragile nature of life. He said, why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. He said, our, our lives are a lot like the morning fog. And as the sun comes out by mid-morning, it's going to dissipate. It's going to burn off. It's, it's going to disappear. It's been five years since our mom died, and she had had a heart attack on a Monday, received a stent, and then was released from the hospital on Thursday afternoon. So Johnny brought in, in dinner to my parents that evening, and the four of us ate together and laughed together, had dessert, and then were driving back to Indiana, and just 10 minutes after leaving my parents' home, my dad called and said the life squad was on the way, and mom had suffered another heart attack, and despite the valiant efforts to save her and air care her to Christ Hospital, she was gone. It, it was her time. Life is fragile. It's fleeting. And so we all face the limits of our time. So we must learn to wisely manage that resource before it's too late. And God's given us instructions for that. And we need to let his word teach us the lessons of time. And the first time lesson is that worry wastes time. Worry drains us. Worrying about tomorrow robs us of its joy. And when we fixate and become preoccupied with a concern, we can never regain the lost time. All worry either falls into one of two categories, either things that will happen or things that won't happen. 
So why worry about those things that, that won't happen? And of the things that will happen, they either fall in the category of things that we can prevent or things that we can't prevent. If we can't prevent it, then worry accomplishes nothing. If we can prevent it, then we should be proactive and take the steps to prevent it rather than just wring our hands and and worry. I think that's why Jesus advised, therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Matthew 6, 34. Time lesson number two, B, is that we're to wait for God's timing. Later in in Ecclesiastes 3, where we read, there's a time for this and a time for that. We drop down to verse 11, and it says, He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. God has made everything beautiful in its time. When he gives the perspective we need, our times become sensible, meaningful, appropriate. When when all that falls together, when the pieces of the puzzle fit, beauty emerges. And how much we fail to see when we miss God's timing. God's ways are not as man's ways. God's timing does not always correspond to our timing. I like the quote that suggests, God is never late, but seldom early. And we can all remember instances where we worried and we we paced the floor only to watch God provide a solution at the 11th hour. Never late, seldom early. God is a spirit not confined by our human time dimensions. And by delaying rather than providing an immediate solution, He prompts us to rely on him and not on ourselves. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever grown impatient with God and his timing and been guilty of rushing ahead of him because you were tired of waiting for God to act? Well, the political problems in the Middle East today between the the Arabs and the Jews stem from Abraham rushing ahead of the will of God and, and not obeying his timing. God had promised Abram that he would become the father of many nations. And Abram was aging, and his aging wife had never been able to have children. So Sarai, his wife, felt the pain of being childless. And so she suggested to Abram that they help God fulfill his promise to Abram. So this was her plan. Sarai asked Abram to father a child with her young housemate, her cleaning girl, Hagar. Hagar would be the surrogate mother, and then Sarai would raise the child as her own. Abram opportunistically agreed to the assignment, well, okay, honey, if if you insist, and that's when the problems began. Hagar had a son named Ishmael, but instead of producing joy for Sarai, it produced more pain. They hadn't done it God's way. And then 13 years later, she had the son whom God had promised, Isaac. And at that time, Sarah had Hagar and Ishmael driven out into the desert. And Ishmael became the father of the Arabic nation. And Isaac, the other son, became the father of the Hebrew nation. And the descendants of these half-brothers have been in conflict ever since. It is dangerous 
to disobey the will of God or to disregard the timing of God. And when we do, we may feel the reverberations for centuries. So what problem or pressure are you facing today? Do you seek a spouse? Are your arms aching for a baby to hold? Is finding a new job at the top of your prayer list? Have you begged God for a cure to your health challenge? It's difficult to wait on God's timing for direction or resolution. Keep praying. Keep seeking his will. Try to remain patient. His help and hope are on the way. Wait on God's timing. Isaiah 40, verse 31 says, But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. When you partner with God, it doesn't mean you'll have no more problems. It means you'll have a partner to help deal with life's problems and discouragements and inequities and surprises. Time lesson number three is take time to refuel. We must avoid the burnout that comes when we are serving but not taking time to worship and and learn. And as the expression says, if our lamps are empty, we can't shine. As we seek to manage the 168 hours granted each week, we may have to ruthlessly cull some plans that can deplete, distract, or divert our focus from the main thing. It says in Exodus 20, verse 11, For in six days God made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and and made it holy. When God ceased production on the seventh day, it wasn't because he was tired or worn out from a a tough week of creating. He, He did it to establish a pattern for mankind because our bodies require rest after sustained activity. So God created a Sabbath for us to to mentally and physically find renewal and find refreshment. There's an old American Indian proverb that reminds, if the bow is always bent, it will break. And when we overextend ourselves, when we overcommit, we will pay a price in our health and in our relationships. I think that can be true spiritually. So take time daily to be in God's presence with prayer by reading his message to you, the Bible, by coming together on the weekend to worship. And so many of you have shared how your week goes a lot better when you started off with worship with your church family. We all need that. We all need the refuel. Time lesson four is maximize each moment. Since God's concept of time is different than our own, we're not surprised that his timing is different. We, he sees things from a different vantage point in heaven and views them from an eternal perspective. The Old Testament prophet Isaiah said, his ways are not like our ways. It requires wise use of our time. Sometimes good things can crowd out the best things. So we must achieve balance with time, so we avoid those things that become distractions to us. For you, maybe it's, it's a, a must-see TV show that 
kind of drives you, or maybe it's hours down the, the rabbit hole of Facebook, or maybe it's developing an addiction to a video game where you, you stay up too late playing that. Athletes watch game films to review and improve their execution of their game plan. And so we as Christians must also individually be striving to get better in our execution of the Christian life. Ben Franklin kept his life in constant evaluation by asking two questions throughout his adult life. In the morning, he would ask, what good shall I do today? And then he would follow that up with this evening question, what good have I done today? Socrates said, the unexamined life is not worth living. So time is this great equalizer, whether rich or poor, male or female, young or old, famous or unknown, we all have the same amount of time. I've always heard people say, as you get older, time goes faster. And I thought, how can that be true? There are 24 hours in a day, 168 hours in a way. That doesn't change. It's the same for everybody. But I think what changes is our perception of time. You remember as a child waiting for Christmas or your birthday seemed to take forever. As a teen waiting for your driver's license seemed to be slow to arrive. As an adult, the busyness of life seems to accelerate and the seasons change quickly. And now it does seem that each year is moving at a faster pace. Someone compared it to a roll of toilet paper and observed, like a roll of toilet paper, life seems to go faster when you're nearing the end. You remember our, our local hero, Lauren Hill, who courageously extracted every single opportunity from her brief 19 years of living in such a, an unselfish way. Um, she had pediatric brain cancer and a very limited time here to, to live after her diagnosis. And she had made the Mount St. Joe basketball team and wanted to play and, and, and make it to her first game. And the whole city was watching and viewing this on TV as it unfolded. And I made the comment to a, a family in the church where I was serving, I'd really like to go to that game. I wish I could have gone, but the tickets sold out like that. And they said, well, we're actually related to, to her and can get you tickets to, to go to Lauren's game. So I would love that. And, and so it, it was a moment. Johnny and I had the chance to attend the game at the Centos Center where they had Mount St. Joe playing Xavier, and the, the whole region had been watching and supporting her uh, for the start of her, her college career. And so Lauren started the game. The ball was, was tipped and passed to her, and she shot a layup and scored. And it was a very emotional moment as 10,000 strangers rose to their feet cheering for a girl they had never met, but this courageous young lady's battle with this deadly disease had just um, captured the entire tri-state. Since her premature departure, she had helped create this foundation to raise awareness and fight pediatric brain cancer. But the legacy was not only raising awareness, but raising a lot of money. By the time of her death, she had raised $1.5 million to help defeat this disease to prevent other kids in the future from having to, to check out early in the game. The secret for all of us at any age is to make the most of your time, to fully utilize it, 
to maximize it, to, to make the most of the one life you've been given. It may be short, it may be long, it may be easy, it may be difficult. It's up to each of us to make the most of the time we've been given here on earth. Ephesians five fifteen and 16, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. And that verse, although written 2,000 years ago, has never seemed to be truer than in our lifetimes. The Charles Dickens classic, A Tale of Two Cities, begins with the sentence, it was the best of times, it was the worst of times. And that's an apt description for the world in which we live. Advances in technology and, and medicine and, and the internet, and we need to harness them for good and for God. The apostle Paul never dreamed of the tools that we have to, to share the gospel with the entire world. We must make the most of every opportunity, using them wisely, carefully, not being drawn off course because the days are evil. So make the most of your time. Don't postpone a prompting from God to help someone in need. Shine the light of Christ on others. Visit that elderly neighbor who hasn't been doing well. Listen to that friend's problem without rushing to give advice. Take a, a welcome gift to that new neighbor. Listen to a child's story patiently without interruption. I have only just a minute, just 60 seconds in it, forced upon me, can't refuse it, didn't seek it, didn't choose it. I must suffer if I lose it, give account if I abuse it. Just a tiny little minute, but eternity is in it. Use your time for serving others. Make that the priority of your time. You will not regret that. Reach for your, your insert there in the bulletin where the outline is and there's a place for you to get out your pen and, and complete this statement, filling in the blank. Today, with God's help, in response to this message, I am going to write it in, finish the sentence. What's your assignment? What's God whispering for you to do today? What's your action item in response to this teaching about our time? Time lesson five is prepare for eternity. Jesus said, what good will it be for someone to gain the whole world and yet forfeit their soul? And what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? And so I want us to think of this most critical priority of our, of our time, and that's to be ready when we die. Philosopher William James said that the greatest use of life is to spend it on something that will outlast it. And using our time wisely, sensing the priority of our time means being ready to die. It's living life in such a way that should our time for departure come suddenly that our bags are packed, we're always ready. And the question I have for you this morning is, are you ready? We all face the reality of our mortality what if you had time to make only one brief cell phone call before dying? Whom would you call or, or, or text? What message would you send? Time lesson six is avoid procrastination. This is the day of salvation. It says in 2 Corinthians 6.2, For he says, In the time of my favor I heard you, and in the day of salvation I helped you. You may never face the sudden drama of a school shooter or have a tornado destroy your home, but you may suffer cardiac arrest this week. You may become a, 
a fatality statistic on Interstate 74. You may face the agony of terminal cancer. You may go to sleep never to waken. And my question I need to ask you is, are you ready to die? If today is your day, if this time is your time, if this week were to be your final week, are things right between you and God? Solomon has been frank with us. There's a a time to be born and there's a time to die. Ben Franklin said only two things in life are certain, death and taxes. They're both coming. I, I wonder if I knew this week my last, would I continue living as today or would I seek to amend the past and hasten a a higher, nobler way. Oh, give me strength, my Savior and my friend, to live each day as if it were my end. Is your time being wisely used to maximize each opportunity of this life? Are you making the most of every opportunity for Christ? Are you right with him in the event that today is your last day? You can be right with him right now. I'm going to invite you to step to your feet and come to the front as we, we sing this song of decision. And maybe you've never confessed your, your faith in Christ and been immersed in obedience to him as Savior, to repent of your sins and believe in him and to live for him until he returns, until you die. If you're, if you're willing to do that, then this invitation is for you.